1: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host all the way from Tucson, Patricia
2: Kirkman. PK, how you doing tonight? Fabulous. It's been one of those beautiful days, nice and warm, nice breeze. Ah, just scary. It's so nice. <laughs> you could get used to it, huh? I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I know it's coming.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, we have had some crazy times the last few days, and now people are under a lot of stress and quite anxious about what's going on in the United States with our election and the ensuing insanity. So I hope you've joined us tonight to kind of get away a little bit from all of that and hear from our amazing guest. We're going to bring him on in a few minutes. Jerry Wills. He is an extraordinary healer. He's been on our show before. We absolutely adore him and his wife, Kathy. He's had many adventures in the paranormal world and, as mentioned, is a terrific healer. So we're going to bring him on in just a couple of minutes. But first, TK, what in the world is going on with the numbers? They're crazy.
2: Like we are. Okay. <laughs> Tell us more. It's working here very well. I, I I think you guys. Can you hear me okay, okay now? Uh, no, we kind of lost you a little bit. You're backing out. Yeah. I don't know what all of a sudden is a problem with the, with the phone lines. I wouldn't grab the other phone just to be on the safe side. I think it's
1: okay now. That
2: sounds Yeah, all right? speak
1: up. There is a background, almost like a wind or something. I don't know where it's coming yeah, from. Yeah,
0: like when um, I talk.
1: I wonder if that means anything. Okay. You'll <laughs> oh, oh, have funny. to talk kind of
2: loud so we can hear you. Okay. Oh, I've changed the phone twice. Let's see if this will work now. Okay. Well, can you hear me right now? Yes, yeah, speak louder, please, so we can hear you. Okay. Well, we're taking a look at what's going on today. It's a one universal day in our six months, and it's just unfortunately kicking you know what where we sit but it has a lot to do there's a lot of things going on right now this month everybody's going to look for things to be perfect and we're not going to get it it's just nothing's going to fall in line the way we want it to there's gaps in here that's going to have to be redone or reviewed there's some aspect here that's going to uh, deal with home family property it's also going to deal with family gatherings and of course we are with this pandemic we can't get together the way we'd like to do so it's creating stress between family members and people that are holding back take a look at the alternative way of handling things it will make it much easier for you to tolerate some of the things that are going on right now and then of course we've got the birth sign scorpio which is going to be in control right now for the for the month because that's where a lot of things are going. So, you know, we're we're going to get kind of pushed aside. It's going to feel somewhat like a piñata, but we'll hold tight. We'll get through all of this. Hopefully, nicer than what we we've faced today. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a high level of anxiety, confusion, and anger about everything oh, that yes. we've witnessed here. No matter what side of the fence you're on politically. It's a lot of people are, have, are sharing the same feelings mm-hmm. of being extremely unsettled. So, yeah, well, it
2: sounds Mercury like it's being supported by, by it. went direct yesterday, so that helps oh, a little God. bit.
1: Yeah, that so does. It,
2: it, it, we'll, we'll still have to do some dusting and cleaning where the retrograde is concerned because people are still going to be uh, clearing off some of the things that have been ongoing. But we're going to really have to stay straight and really pay attention to how to Really help one another right now, because this is not going to be an easy time. Not at all.
1: No, no that is, is absolutely for sure. So, it, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> at least we have some
2: I know some good thoughts
1: to add to it. To just uh, stay grounded
2: and stay on the straight and narrow here. Well, the most important thing right now is if we act within care and kindness of one another, we'll get through this month. Next month is when we're going to have to really take a, a different approach to what's going on. So learn whatever you can dealing with alternative ways of dealing with things. That will make your life a lot better right now. Okay. We have to
1: think of Plan B and what that looks like. So everybody, make sure you go to our Facebook page. We have incredible stories there this week. Some old UFO stories from Italy in the 50s, some, some more recent ones. There's been, as you know, an uptick in all the sightings of crafts, and people are sending them into MUFON and other places and reporting on all of their experiences. They seem to be ramping up quite a bit. And so that's all on our website, take a, I mean, on our Facebook page. So please take a look there. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. TikTok content will be coming out this week. So we already have an account set up there. You can follow us on TikTok. And we're going to have some entertaining things for you to follow. Those one-minute TikToks, a lot of them are just (laughs) very (laughs) Very entertaining. In fact, I can't stop watching some of them.
2: So we hope to join that. We need entertainment. Speaking of which, I am going to be doing something Thursday night with the Arizona Wellness Alliance. It's going to be from 6 to 8. And I'll have something on my website if they're interested in getting involved with it for the evening. It's Great. going to be done via Zoom, so that will make it a lot easier. But I'll post on my webpage for them. Great. And the webpage
1: is patriciakirkman.com. So make sure you go there to get the information and to sign up. And you said that's tomorrow night, Thursday no, next, night?
2: Uh, yeah, next Wednesday.
1: Next Wednesday Later night, Wednesday, Wednesday
2: evening. Mm-hmm.
1: All right.
2: Okay. Well,
1: again, lots of stuff going on, lots of potholes oh, to
2: avoid. <laughs> I want a magic uh, carpet. I want to take off and get out there in space where I can feel safe and secure. <laughs> and then someone said, oh, but that asteroid might hit. I'm like, oh, God, give me a break. <laughs>
1: I know. It's like beam me up, Scotty. Goodness. It's time for that. Yep. Well. As I mentioned, we have a terrific guest for you tonight. Yes, and we do. As you've been watching, the world has changed radically, and many people are struggling to regain balance and health on all levels. So tonight you're going to hear from the extraordinary healer, Jerry Will. He's going to share his profound experiences with the force that exists around all living things. Now, for as long as Jerry could remember, he saw and felt what he calls life force essence around all living things. And during his early years he had no idea others were unaware of this. But after many scoldings like many of us got, he learned to keep his intuitive flashes and comments to himself. <laughs> we have all visited that place. Maybe not as often as you have, Jerry, but we have. So he grew up on a remote farm in Kentucky. And that provided many years of isolation from the rest of the world, and during his teen years, he started to better understand how energy moves through all living things, plants, animals, and humans. And eventually, his abilities progressed to where he was able to help himself heal and others if they allowed it. So Jerry, welcome to the show. Oh, God, that might help, huh? Hot mic. Yes. Help. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm here. Yeah. Thank you for having and me on. Thank you. Are.
1: Oh, our pleasure. You our pleasure.
2: Her. so <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> so nice to have you back. So, first of all, some of our audience members may not know your story. So, um it it really began in a in a very unusual way. You were basically you were born and then you were taken somewhere and left there, as I recall. Is that right?
3: Yeah, I was I was born elsewhere and dropped off in an abandoned farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. I guess Kentucky, and uh, then I was later retrieved by uh, some soldiers. At the time, there was no Air Force. It's called the Army Air Corps, and as before, the Air Force was ever you know before they were made the Air Force. I was delivered over to Fort Knox Hospital where I stayed, and then um, at some point I was handed off to a soldier and his wife who were incapable of having children. And uh, that's where I ended up. He died when I was seven, and we moved. That was in uh, Denver, Colorado. We moved back to Kentucky after that, and I spent the rest of my formative years in Kentucky, back in the hills.
1: Now, did you have siblings growing up?
3: Well, I have two sisters, and uh from what I know now, I think they were also adopted. I I'm, I'm pretty sure they both feel the same way.
1: Wow. Well, it's, it's did you ever find out who your biological parents were who left you there? In that
3: abandoned farm
1: no, building? Uh, never. Wow. No, uh, Never. Never. Very I don't mysterious.
3: even know when I would, I don't know what my real birthday is. Nothing. You know, it's just, it's kind of weird. Everybody else can go and do an astrological chart, and really? I try to do it, and none of the information that you would need to do that exists. Oh,
2: my goodness. Wow. Do you know your birth name, Jerry?
3: No, I have no idea.
2: So you're, you're blocked in on both ends.
3: Yeah, pretty much. I know my my initials uh, are the same as you would see on the side of an army truck, you know, yeah. where they say the gross vehicle weight, and then it has, you know, how many tons it is or whatever. Uh, yeah. Same initials.
1: Oh. oh, my goodness. Well, that's a, a very unusual beginning in life. That is for sure. But you've had an unusual life also. So you immediately knew and understood the essence of life force. So you were able to see it, feel it from a very young age.
3: I didn't have words for it. I didn't really know what was different about me because, let's face it, you know there weren't many people to talk to. I remember being a couple years old and having experiences. And then... um, you know, as I got older and more conversational, it was there, but I really didn't see any reason to talk about it. I was just seeing things and enjoying what I was seeing and laughing about it. It wasn't until I got old enough, you know, and actually living back in Kentucky, uh, there after a few years, uh, about nine, ten years old, started talking about it, and it wasn't it wasn't appropriate. Folks in Kentucky, at least at that time, were very superstitious, you know, hill people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you had coastal churches, variety of different religions you know, within the Christian faith. And they all had their own concept, I guess, of, of what was correct and what wasn't correct or allowed. And, of course, I fell right on the other side of that line. And I didn't know that I shouldn't be talking about these things. And, you know, innocently enough, I did occasionally, and I got reprimanded, scolded, sometimes good good whipping. Oof. And uh, I learned to just stay the hell quiet, because why would I want to talk about stuff like that when I got that kind of response?
1: Exactly.
3: Even when I got a little older. I was, uh, you know, this this fellow, a nearby farmer, and nearby means, you know, if you're going to walk to his house, it's probably a 30-minute, 45-minute walk across fields. He had uh, hopped off of this little Ford Cub tractor, and when he did, his galoshes with mud, he slipped and twisted his knee. I had already been working on animals by this time. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. Um, Let me think, how old was I? 14? No, 13. And anyway, um, he twisted his knee really bad. It hurt. And so I just asked if I could take a look at it, put my hands on, solve the problem, and just did intuitively, not with any preconceived notion of how to do it. I just sent energy in, is what I call it now. But I just made it better in my innocent, childlike way at the time. That's what I called it. And afterwards, well, he was really quite startled and looked at me strangely and said, what did you do, boy? And got up and walked away. Well, then, you know, the neighbors around heard about it. and People were afraid of me and it was a bit ugly.
1: Oh,
0: no. I
3: think that's the last time I actually tried doing anything to help anyone while I was on farms with that fellow. Yeah, um, I mean, all it was doing older. was creating
1: isolation and negativity for you. So,
3: yeah, that's terrible. the whole thing was bad. negative. Even in school, there really weren't many, many kids that I could resonate with. And they were all. Well, below my intellectual acuity, and not just have it sound like I'm boasting or anything, but I, I had a photographic memory and I could retain information completely.
2: That's handy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I'd die for something like that. <laughs> really? I,
3: I read encyclopedias and books and everything I get my hands on. I, I got bored about, I don't know, the letter C. When I was reading through this gigantic dictionary, I thought, if I could remember every word in here, wouldn't that be something? But by the time I got about halfway through C, I decided that that was impractical. There, there was no reason to know this. I was actually quite conversational. And besides, you start talking to people using these words, uh, you have to basically talk to people at the level of their understanding. If you're talking up beyond, and you're actually talking at them at that point, then the comprehension is completely lost, and there's no point in communicating. So I gave up on it.
1: So when did you get comfortable with your abilities, and when did you find people that were intrigued by what you were doing and accepted you for who you are? How old were you then?
3: Well, the first time that happened, because I was looking for acceptance, and, well, I guess I was about, I don't know, maybe 19, 20 years old. There was a um, a place in the town I grew up called The Lighthouse. And it was basically a place where we might call them New Age Christians at this point, but they would meet up and they had elements of the Pentecostal and elements of the, um, uh, what was it? I think Presbyterian, yeah, Presbyterian Church. They, you know, hands on healing was a thing, um, speaking in tongues was a thing. I mean, all the stuff from the Pentecostals was a thing, plus more. And <clears throat> I thought it was all pretty goofy, but <laughs> I I went I saw that my cousin, who was a drug addict, had found some peace and she invited me over, so I went. And of course the first night there, these folks were all praying over this poor soul who had a broken leg and a cast. And I thought, Well that's too bad. And I've always had a generous heart and care about people and I said, Well Let's just fix it. So I took a look through the cast, saw the problem, and it was really kind of a, it wasn't just broken right off. It was more fractured in a spiral bit of fracturing. So I just went ahead and just melted. Yeah, I just melted the bones back together and repaired it, and and that was that. And he felt it. And he was gasping and of course, everybody else sitting around and praying and saying in Jesus' name and thank you, God, and all this. And I figured, well, that's what they do. That's good. So when I finished, he said it, it immediately stopped hurting. It felt whole again. And so they all decided they were going to just get that cast off of him. So they did. And he got it off, and he's walking around, and he's praising. God praise the Lord hands in the air and people fainting and it was one of those deals the first night I was there that's the first thing that happened and I learned by being there that if you're going to be in that club you have to say the right words and make the right motions and movements with your hands and you know, you have to play the part because if you don't and you're not part of that club so I did and it turned into quite a fiasco. The, uh, there was a minister who was in charge of this place with the Presbyterian Church. They finally got me over there, and I was in this big old office. Well, keep in mind, at that time, we're talking, well, when was that? That was about mid-70s. So, you know, I was really into rock and roll and smoking pot and drinking a beer once in a while. And nothing too rowdy, but, you know, I had friends over and we partied. It was fun. Well, you know, I I wore bell bottoms and T-shirts and had my hair long. Even had some love beads at that time. And he wanted to see me, so I went over to see him. So while I'm in there... He's dressed up in this fancy suit and this fancy office with wood and a great big desk and carpet on the floor and air conditioning. Well, I didn't have any air conditioning,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and you know he's, he's a, well, you know he's, he's sort of a figure, rather heavy set, and he was the main preacher dude for this place. So he started asking me about what I was doing and how I did it. I told him, and it is like I always tell people, it's the presence of God. It just moves through me for some reason, and then people are okay. Well, you know, if you want, we'll send you to seminary school. We'll make you a bona fide minister. You'll have your own congregation, and you'll be making lots of money. You'll make an awful lot of money. Well, I didn't have any money at all. As a matter of fact, I couldn't buy any pot. My friends had to supply it because they had jobs. <laughs> so, well, this is
1: quite an offer. How tempting was it?
3: Well, and it gets better. He said, I could have plenty of money and I could have, you know, plenty of women and a car, a convertible.
0: Oh, my He said, you'll
3: have everything you want. <laughs> what? I thought, plenty of women. What would I do with plenty of women? (laughs) So I didn't quite get that part of it. But the part that I did get was when he said, look, you know, if you do this, you're going to have to cut your hair, stop smoking cigarettes, and we'll get you a nice suit of clothes, and we'll teach you how to be a proper minister, and you'll look the part. And so I lit up a cigarette, sitting there thinking about it. He said, you you can't smoke in here. And so I looked around. He had an ashtray with a cigar in it. So I said, oh, sorry. And I put it out. And um, I said, you know something? I don't think I want to do that because I really don't want to cut my hair. I'm not going to, and I had to stop listening to rock and roll, the devil's music. Stop smoking pot. Stop drinking beer. You know, I had to be something else and I said you know something I I really think God likes me just the way I am it's working real good I don't think God wants me to do all this and I don't know why you'd want me to well this is what God wants and I said well then I don't know who your God is and as soon as the actual God Almighty comes and says Jerry you need to do this then I'll do it real quick but I'm not going to do it because you tell me I need to, because that's what God wants. I haven't heard from God about this at all. He just seems like me is the way I am. And so he got red-faced and told me to think about it. And I said, no, I don't have to think about it. I'm not going to do that. So said, that's crazy. I like my hair long. And I like listening to rock and roll. And I'm not going to stop listening to it. And as far as having you know a bunch of girls, I, said, I just can't even think about what that means. <laughs> so, thanks but no thanks, and he got really pissed off and told me to get out of his office. So, I grabbed what was left of my cigarette and lit it up and walked away. So, that's where it kind of went to people noticed it. But when I got comfortable, to answer your question, uh, I got comfortable about 42 years old and thinking... Up to that time, I had to keep it a pretty well, you know, hidden thing. People shouldn't know about it. The woman I was married to, she thought that was some crazy stuff. Don't be talking about that stuff. You will hurt your business, It'll hurt our business. People find out you're talking about that sort of thing. And so I got to the point where I figured I've either got to change my life or I just need to end it because I'm really unhappy. Mm. But I didn't want to do either. I just didn't know how to cope with this. Right. Well, there were a series of events that happened, and the next thing you know, I'm divorced. And uh, that story, by the way, we, we do have a members area now, and that story is called Fantastic Journey. It's a hell of a story, and it's in our members area if anybody's and interested. And members not,
1: of where? You know, is that on your Patreon Account?
3: Yeah, it's on our.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, it's our Patreon. So people can find you there on Patreon, and mm-hmm. yeah, because I know I'm getting questions from people now as you're talking about where people can reach you. Do you need to be in person to get a healing? So we'll get to all of those, but go ahead and and, and talk about sure. the rest of this, and then we'll go to the statistics.
3: Well, yeah, sure. I'll make it quick. Um, you know, basically <laughs> what happened is that. I met Kathy and long story short she got her finger caught in the car door and I liked her she's pretty so I took a look at her finger and I fixed it she was pretty surprised by it all and I got her phone number (laughs) and we stayed in touch and then I got divorced Kathy and I got together, and she's the first person that ever believed in me. And as a matter of fact, I still had my electronics business running. And after we're married, she said, well, you know, you're fixing electronics devices, but you really should be helping people. Wow. I said, I, I really don't know how to do that. I, I feel really uncomfortable trying. And she said, oh, it's understandable, because she knew my story. She's heard a lot more than you have. (laughs) Right. And she said, you know, come on, I'll take your hand. I'll stand by your side. We'll do this together. It'll be all right. And you know something, as a result of her doing that, I did go forward. And I was helping people. And there are probably thousands and thousands of people now that I've worked with that have been helped. God only knows what would have happened if I hadn't stepped in and helped them. But, yeah, I did. And, you know, I got featured on Fox about twice a year for 11 years, newspaper articles, TV article, or TV shows, magazines, you know, all over the world. And it's all because Kathy had faith in me. She's my hero. Yes. She's an amazing well. lady.
1: She is. God bless her, and and she made it safe, also.
2: It yeah, she did. Safe. She.
3: I I didn't feel safe before her, but I feel completely safe with her.
2: That's wonderful. And it was a leap of faith, yeah.
3: but I did it, and things started changing. And now, after all these years, a couple decades plus. Um you know i just keep doing it every day every day
1: so here are some of the questions neat. that that i'm getting coming in as you're talking people want to sure. know how can they get in touch with you for healing and do they have to be there in person
3: you know first answer is jerrywills.com just that simple just my name.com That's where you go to, and if you want to schedule a session, you just take a look up there at the top. It says, I think it says schedule your session, and you just go through that. As far as do you have to be in person? No, because, you know, it's grown since I started, you know, over 20 some odd years ago. There are people now all over the world that I work with, and I really like seeing people in person, you know. It's great. But it's just impractical. There are so many people in the world. So now, um, well, it's over the phone. But it didn't make any difference, I mean, as far as what happens. Geez, I worked on dogs and cats and animals and men and women and horses. And with the way this works, when I go into that place, whether you're in person or over the phone. I go into this place where there's no time and there's no distance. And I'm right there with you. I look around, see what I can see, find the things I can find, try to fix them. And it doesn't work for everybody. It just doesn't. Some people I wasn't meant to help because of whatever reason. But by and large, quite a number have been helped both in person and by, you know, this remote thing. And I go about fixing it.
1: And when you work with people, and obviously you work with thousands and thousands of people, and you must come across the same diseases at times, like Alzheimer's. That's a big deal, and a lot of people have it. And I'm wondering if when you work with a number of people who have the same condition, do you find similarities Um, Not just physically, obviously, when you're looking to work with them and and help them heal, but do you find an overall pattern that you can start to identify?
3: Yeah, I do. I see several patterns. Um, There's there's a there's. (laughs) You know, it's kind of funny. When when you go to the doctor and it's like, doctor, you know, well, let's just take something real common. I mean, women, you, you, you ladies would identify with this maybe in some capacity. Um, they'll say, you know, doctor, I'm not feeling right. <clears throat> I'm having um, hot flashes and night sweats, and you know, it's. I, I think menopause is happening. And uh, doctor will check you over and maybe do a blood test. Yeah, you're right. That's what it is. Nothing to worry about. Um, Let's uh, just keep an eye on it. And uh, if you need something, let me know. Something to help you sleep, because of course can't sleep. You know, something to, you know, if you have some aches and pains, you know, we'll figure it out. Well, I'm just depressed all the time, Doctor. I just feel depressed and just wore out all the time. Well, we'll get you some of these medications here they'll They'll prop you up. I get a lot of this, and you know it happens for men too, by the way mm-hmm. and then, um, you know they don't like the side effects or you know whatever reason I don't know whatever reason it is, they finally find me. And so when they find me, they're saying, well, you know, this is what the doctor told me, and this is what I'm doing, and, you know, I just wonder if anything else is wrong. So I take a look, In all of these people, I find the same basic things, to answer your question. I find a whole pattern of things that are going on. And the symptoms that the person is having are just that. They're symptoms it's kind of like looking at a pot of water and it's boiling it isn't boiling magically there is a reason for it to do that and the reason is a process of physics uh, thermal dynamics really Heat's being transferred and it's heating up and so on and so forth causing cavitation and so on so it seems like the doctors are looking at the symptoms let's address the symptoms But I go further because I want to know why this is happening. So I look for why it's happening. And in a great number of people, almost every one of them that I work with, and this is going on, I see the exact same thing going on. And so I tell them the reason why it's happening, what I'm seeing, and how they can take steps to do something about it so that it isn't going to be happening anymore. In some cases, so what, what I just fixed the problem
1: with with menopause or even menopause, both sexes. What is the pattern that you see with that? Give us that example, if you would.
3: Oh, sure. It's very simple. Let's take a man and a woman, twenty years old. If you measure their blood, what you're going to find is a number of things, but most important for this conversation is you're going to find they both have testosterone. Women generally think they're just made of estrogen, but that's not right. So you have two 20-year-olds, both testosterone. Now in a man, and of course men are stronger, the man is using all the testosterone because he's a man, but a woman is is a being of creation, very special in all the universe, and a woman will take 90% of that testosterone and convert it into estrogen. And all the estrogen products, progesterone, and so on. So it leaves a woman with ten percent testosterone and ninety percent estrogen. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: That ten percent testosterone is important because that maintains muscles, it maintains skin and hair and nails and connective tissue, it maintains the mucous membranes in the body, and it also maintains the brain. And the testosterone, as you get older, it's going to, well, there are cells called epithelial cells. And these cells, as you age, begin to die off. The reason why they die off is because there is another uh, system running parallel. And that system is one that's creating cannabinoids, like in cannabis,
0: Mm
3: -hmm. These cannabinoids, the same thing. So these molecules, your body's creating. And on every cell, there's a receptor for the cannabinoid molecule. Well, just like the hormonal system, as you age, it starts to fail. Well, as you get older, the cannabinoid, endocannabinoid system, which is another hormonal system, it starts to fail too. And that's what's protecting the sexual hormonal system. It fails first, then the sexual hormonal system starts to fail. When it gets to a point to where menopause has started, the reason why menopause occurs at all is going to be because each woman has a threshold that's unique to her where she has a given level of testosterone. Yours, Kathy's, the gal down the street, Somebody in India, they're all different. Mm -hmm. It's all testosterone, of course, but it's all different levels because it's unique to that woman. But there is a threshold, and when you drop below that threshold, menopause begins. It's completely driven by a lack of testosterone.
0: Hmm.
3: Now, as you move into this, what happens is that the endocrine system Uh, the adrenals, basically, is where I'm going next, they are going to be releasing because now your body's under stress. And, of course, if you have stress, it drives this even harder, as you'll see when I illustrate why. But the the adrenal system's pumping out little, little bits and pieces of cortisol. Cortisol is a vasoconstrictor. It's a hormone It's not really good for your body. Some people call it the death hormone, but it's just a stress hormone, that's all. It coexists with adrenaline. Adrenaline goes away quickly, cortisol not so much so. When it gets into your bloodstream, the first place it's going to reach and touch is the hippocampus, which regulates the, the pituitary and pineal gland. Now, these two glands are producing oxytocin. Oxytocin is your center of peace, and it's also the very foundation for all human sexuality. Oxytocin is that important, and there is no sexuality without it, period. There's actually aberrant behavior as far as being a recluse and completely antisocial without oxytocin. A good example Hmm. of that would be um, kids uh, with Down syndrome. Put them on oxytocin, they settle down and they're actually quite nice. Well anyway, the cortisol interferes with the production of oxytocin. It doesn't make it just go away, but it regulates it down. So you lose your sex drive quite rapidly. Then in your bloodstream, all this is happening quite you know, quite fast. It goes from there, it goes to your liver. When it goes to your liver, well, it's not good for you so your liver is going to combine it with other molecules and it's going to create an enzyme called aromatase which goes back into your bloodstream right away when this happens aromatase is going to find the testosterone it's going to bind to it and it's going to create more estrogen and it begins throwing your body out of balance it does this in men as well and When it starts going in that direction, the first thing women notice with all of this is probably going to be vaginal dryness. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is going to be they're going to notice they're putting on weight, and they can't get rid of it. Well, it's because your body is going to create fat cells and shove in the estrogen to protect you from the excess estrogen, because excess estrogen is an inflammatory so you gain weight, and even if you try yeah. to starve yourself, you're creating more stress. You're going to put on more weight <laughs> right.
1: because well, you don't have the system. You're talking about um, cortisol, which I, I know something about. It's a, it, and it also keeps people up at night because. And what I've noticed is people complain uh, that they can't sleep through the night, and mm-hmm. because their cortisol has basically gone upside down. I mean, there's a lot of endocrine disruption. And that's what I'm hearing you yeah. describe, and and that's you know we've come to be to believe if we've been brainwashed enough that this is normal, but it isn't. And so when you go to to work with men and women who have this type of endocrine disruption, what do you find? Does it take a few sessions to heal this? Is it? I know everybody's different, but what's your average with this?
3: I don't heal this. I find okay. it and I point them in a direction where they can get help. You see, part of what I do, and I learned a long time ago that I can't fix everything, but I i can know a lot. Things that other people wouldn't know. I used to call it top shelf items. Things you never knew existed until you actually got up there and looked. <laughs> well, with with this situation... I can't magically make the the, uh, uh, epithelial cells come back. So they're never going to come back. They're just gone. Your body's lost them, period. It's like losing a finger. I'm not going to grow your finger back either. Hmm. Well, once this is gone, you have to do something. A lot of people take vitamins. They'll take supplements, you know, stuff like this, Um well, this is no different than that. So what you do, and if you folks are interested, who are listening, you can save yourself a session with me if you've got this stuff going on. Spend your money. Go over to sotopellytherapy.com. It's spelled S-O-T-T-O-P is in Paul, E-L-L-E-therapy.com. Find a doctor near you. Don't go to anybody else. Go to them, they have the magic bullet, they saved Kathy's life, and they can help you with yours too. But this is where I point people to, because this is the only therapy on earth that actually works, and it works 100% of the time, with no side effects.
1: So this is the so, the, it, um, the little pill they put under the skin, or something like that? Is that what yeah, that it is. is.
3: It's... Uh, okay yeah they put these little pellets for women is you know two three. It's no big deal. For men you know I've been doing this for 11, 12 years now and you know I get quite a few. <laughs> I have a handful but what it does is it will turn you back to 35 years old and hold you there as long as you're doing it.
1: Well my you just stop okay, we got to get some of this stuff. I, I, I'll have to yeah, take it, a lot to go back that far. <laughs>
3: well, and, and you know, know it, just, it takes about a year and a half, two years to really go back into balance, but you'll feel fantastic once you do
1: it. That's great, Jerry. What a wonderful remedy. And there's no side effects from this. None.
3: Not that's at all. Really, the point. only side effects is you might wear your out because you'll be going so much and so hard. That's what happens to Kathy and I. You know, we, we feel good, and so we just, why stop? Let's just keep going.
1: <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. Jared, what a what great people, remedy. At this stage, ahead, what I'm about so- people that are going through memory loss or they're, they they get the stages of Alzheimer's? They get that feeling that uh, yeah. they don't remember words when they're in the middle of a sentence, and all of a sudden they're starting to uh, feel awkward because they're not remembering things the way they should, what would you recommend for them to do?
3: A couple of things. First off, understand why it happens. The frontal lobes of your brain, this is where your memory, short and long term exist, your emotions, how you look at the world and see it and interpret it and move with it. Everything that is part of your cognizant mind that you're looking out at the world, whether it's remembering, talking, any of that, it all happens in the frontal lobes of your brain. That area is completely smothered with testosterone receptors. When you don't have enough testosterone, that isn't going to work very well. You can have anxiety, memory loss. I've worked with quite a few women that they said they were in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's because of exactly what you were saying. They were antisocial. They were depressed, they couldn't remember things worth a darn, and, you know, they they were not the people they once were. Well, and I said, look, if you'll just go try this and find out if it works, and in every case, it worked beautifully.
1: Well, there it does sound you can like use. hormone replacement is a big part of the puzzle here. And to get that that piece is is a very important thing to do. Now, somebody just wrote in about the, the pal treatment. Do the palates just basically get absorbed by the body and then you just have them replaced? Is that the treatment?
3: Yeah, it is. For a woman, you do this every three months. Kathy's been doing it 13 years. Uh, every three months. And I'll tell you something, I'd give up smoking cigarettes if I had to in order to make sure she had that.
1: Now I'd go down to one meal a day. something if I, so powerful, Jerry. <laughs> and
2: you would give up cigarettes for that. Wow. Okay. And it I is. Would. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like we were talking about the, uh, the memory loss or whatever. What specifically can, can a person take? Like, say, my age, I'm 84 years old. So trying to remember things isn't that easy anymore so which direction would you put people like me to go forward
3: very first move would be soda once you're doing soda you know that that's that's a functioning thing and you'll know within two weeks i mean you can't help but know because you'll feel so amazing um and there, there's a protocol. I mean, you, you know, you, you have to get out, start moving, because you have to build up your aerobic conditioning. You have to get your heart pumping.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But um, anyway, be, beyond that, if you've got that going, there are some essences called nootropics. It's spelled Nootropics. Nootropics. Now, these are cognizance enhancers. Some are prescriptions. Most are just supplements. What I would suggest that you do is I would suggest that you, um, let's see. First of all, you want to get rid of beta amyloid plaque. There's probably some on your brain. Everybody's got it. So you want to get some soligiline. Uh, you have to get that from an offshore pharmacy. It's otherwise known as L-deprin-L, D-E-P-R-Y-N-L, I think. But you can get it from an offshore pharmacy. Uh, at your age, you'd probably want to take, uh, get the liquid, it works faster. You'd probably want to take three drops of that. It doesn't taste good, but it really works well. The other thing that you'd want to do is you'd want to get something called citicolene. This is a dopamine enhancer, and it works really wonderfully. Um, it's spelled C-I-T-I-C-O-L-I-N-E, citicoline. Get yourself a jar of it. Use a gram of it on an empty stomach every morning, and you'll notice, um, you know, like me, I when I get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and try to get my brain working. But if Mm -hmm. I do a gram of citicoline and water, within a minute, my brain is just firing on all cylinders, and I'm just at 100%. But I have the testosterone going as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: It doesn't mean it wouldn't help you. It certainly would. But, you know, if you've got enough testosterone for the brain, then it's going to help even that much more. But those two things are really good. Yeah. There yeah, are over like 300
1: nootropics. Also.
3: Yes, they do. As a matter of fact, citicoline and l nail together, nice combination.
1: hmm Oh, that sounds excellent. Well, thank you for that, Jerry. Those are wonderful <laughs> tips. and I know there are some pharmacies you know, that, that sell those, and they're not that difficult to buy.
3: No, they're not hard to get. We order it all the time. You know, in, in older dogs, how older dogs are kind of like, you know, lackadaisical. They don't. They seem to get like dementia. Really, I mean, they just sort of fade out, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And it's a sad thing when you see this happening to your your pet. It's like I don't know what to do. I mean, he's he's my dog. Is just you know really gone downhill. Well, it's because of beta amyloid plaque. You have alpha mm-hmm. and beta. Amyloids and beta amyloid plaques are apparently the most destructive to the brain. It builds up in the brain until it basically covers those dopamine receptor points, then you just can't think worth a damn. Well, if you go to your veterinarian and say, "Hey, my dog needs some celigilin." Then the veterinarian will go, "Oh, you know about that? Okay, let's get your dog some celigilin," and the dog will get some of this, and next thing you know, the dog's running around like a puppy because it it uh, gets rid of the beta amyloid plaque on the dog's brain permanently. It doesn't mean it won't come back because you're constantly creating beta amyloids. Mm-hmm. But what's there is just poof. It just makes it go away. Well, the same thing happens in a human's brain, and that's why l is so important. It really, really does a great job. Um It's just keeping your brain healthy. And then you start putting in, like, citicoline, which is a dopamine enhancer. It just makes more dopamine, basically. And for cognitive thought, walking, talking, breathing, looking around human being, dopamine is what you have to have in order for you to be able to do any of that stuff. So using citicoline just puts in a little bit extra. It only works if you do it on an empty stomach, but oh, it doesn't taste bad, so it's not, yeah, you have to mean. absorb it into the liver if you have food in there, it's not going to work with the dam,
1: yeah, exactly. well, Jerry, let me ask you another question because this has been bothering me. This disease took both my dogs from me this year these there is a an incredible rise in cases of Cushing's disease and Addison's disease, which are both cortisol problems, one too little, one too much, this disease is on the rise exponentially with dogs and especially horses. Now, there's got to be a reason why all of a sudden we're seeing all of these cases. And my thought is it may be connected to Lyme exposure or any of the cofactors to do with Lyme. And I'm wondering if you have had any experience with that.
3: No, I've not. I've not had anyone uh, ask me that question. I, I, until you explained it, I didn't even know what it was.
1: Yeah, it's a really horrible oh. disease, and uh, you know the dogs basically become—they just get eaten away. You just—they become skeletons, and all the organ systems just break down. So again, too much cortisol, as you mentioned earlier, is can be deadly, and it is with dogs, and Addison's is the opposite, but it is a very, both of them are very complicated, and they're very complicated to treat, and I think part of the problem is nobody really understands it. They don't understand why it's happening and the components therein that create it. I think that's true of a lot of diseases. As you mentioned, we're very much big on symptom management, and that is never a way to go, in my opinion, unless it's short-term, but... This is a long-term problem. Even on the medication that's highly recommended for dogs, they only last two years beyond the initial diagnosis. And dogs are being diagnosed younger with it. I've heard of you know dogs five years old. And again, horses apparently it's even worse. So if in your travels if you do come across this and you have any, you find any information, I'd love to have it because there are a lot of people. I've been in contact with the last seven months, they're really suffering with this, with their animals, because they just don't know what in the hell is causing it and what to do. And quite honestly, a lot of the vets are not being directed properly by research. So it's just a a mess for anybody who has an animal that is diagnosed with that disease, either one. So please do let me know if you come across it.
3: Absolutely. You know, I think in this particular instance, if I could just hold the animal that we know has this, I could track it down. I don't know that I want to trust it doing it at a distance for something that is as mysterious. I think um, I could get a lot deeper. Into what's going on by doing it that way.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll
3: see if I can. Um, I'll see what I can find out. You know, I don't have any animals around me right now, but maybe I can uh, find someone who has an animal like this that I could uh, take a look.
1: That would be so helpful. Um, it's again, it's so tragic uh, of, a, of an illness. Both of them are and it's just it just seems fairly impossible to stop and it can progress extremely quickly so something happens that i think is a messaging system that breaks down that's my opinion of it so far and i'm usually pretty good with medical stuff but even this is beyond what i can understand so yeah anything yeah, really you have so. to offer would be great
3: could be could be something with Lyme disease because it does all kinds of weird stuff in a, in a body.
1: It does. I think they have yet to figure out exactly the mechanisms that are in process with Lyme and all the cofactors and co-infections that people, um, people have. So not a lot of dogs, a lot of horses are exposed to ticks. Whether they contract actual Lyme disease or not is a good question because the testing isn't, as solid as it should be. We have a lot of false positives, a lot of false negatives. So, it's again, I'm not sure. But as I look at it, I'm looking for, as a researcher, I'm looking at what's the common denominator, what has been introduced to their environment in the last, say, 15 years that wasn't there before that might be doing
0: Yeah. This.
1: So, yeah, thank you. Well, do let us know because this has been uh, something I'm watching pretty closely.
0: Okay. Now, do you yeah,
2: tell I, what, I'm sorry, go ahead, ahead I, PK. I was just going to ask if you do. uh Jerry, do you take appointments with people to uh, work with them for, say, anything for the memory or to the animal or to whatever? Are you available for yeah, that? Yeah, I
3: do. Sure. You know, the way it works is you go on my website. There okay. is a uh, paywall. you you're basically through PayPal. Mm-hmm. And you go through those steps, it goes to Kathy, and then she will receive that and, and she'll take a look at the calendar and figure out when. And she, okay. you It know, basically goes back and forth between folks until everything is worked out, and then it goes on the calendar that goes in front of me. And then usually an hour or two before it's time, then she'll tell me I've got a session and I need to pay attention to it and do it. Because if she tells me the day before, I don't remember. I've got <laughs> too many things. The big You're thing with me is... Man. Now,
2: where are you located well, now, Jerry?
3: Right now, we are 35 miles north of Phoenix in a place called Black Canyon City. It's in the middle of the desert. Here in Arizona, north of where yeah. you are.
2: Yeah, that's what I was asking. How how far are you <laughs> <laughs> from you? Yeah,
1: that'd be great if you yeah. guys could get together.
3: Probably 3 hours, 2 hours, 3 hours, whatever it is from Tucson to Phoenix and then another, I don't know, 30 40 minutes north. Mhm. Yeah, you know, it's from the north end of Phoenix, um north about 30 35 miles.
2: I wasn't sure where you were. I think you were originally when we first uh, chatted. You were in Cottonwood, were you not?
3: We were. We were up there for a while. I actually lived in Jerome for a while. It was really fun.
2: Oh, I bet that was neat. um,
3: Then we moved back to Phoenix for a year just to be nearer to resources because Cottonwood didn't have much. And then we decided... Because we like to travel a lot. So we decided, well, let's buy buy a 40-foot diesel pusher and travel in our home. So we did. And we worked on it for several months. I mean, actually, it's a work in progress, I suppose. But we worked on it for a few months getting everything the way we like it. <clears throat> Built a uh, broadcast studio in here. And, you know, it's, you know, bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, the whole bed. I mean, it's, it's actually like a small apartment. It's very comfortable. It's good for us. And, you know, you could always go, hey, I wish I had an extra room or two, but it's not too bad. And plus, you know, we can turn the key- and blast off and go to the next place.
1: We were right. just
3: looking at uh, Picacho Peak, as a matter of fact, thinking, huh, what would that be like? Go down there and stay for a month.
2: That's, it's nice down here.
3: Yeah, it what is. I've you, been
2: all and over then be, Arizona. In fact, actually, yeah. I have <laughs> I'll be closer to PK. <laughs> I also have a driveway big enough to hold a motorhome, and it has an electric outlet out there, too. Yeah, well, that's
3: pretty
2: I, dandy. I, yeah, huh? When my husband was alive, we had a motorhome, and uh
0: oh, okay. Of course,
2: he's gone, and the motorhome is gone as well. So, but uh, yeah, it's it's wide enough driveway in that to park in and what have you. The only thing it doesn't have that we used to have was the uh, septic. I, I, I guess the septic, uh, mm-hmm. the dumping type thing. When they changed, when I had the garage added out front, they covered over that area. So that's the only thing that's not available. But it's a wide driveway, and it has electric. So give me a yell if you want to head this way. That's great. Yeah,
0: that's a good
1: idea. I'll make sure that uh, you guys have PK's contact information, okay?
3: Yeah, thank you. That would be good.
1: Yeah, I'll send it over to you. And, Jerry, I've got a question to ask you. I'm going to change topics a little bit, a little bit aside from the healing. You know, the Pleiadians, I know you've seen them in Arizona. You've yep. described it on our last show. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're very tall. You're, what, 6'9 or something? Yeah. You're a tall guy. And the Pleiadians are known for their height and their blonde hair and... Have you ever considered that you were from them, given your early beginnings of being dropped off somewhere and that the fact that you were even found is miraculous?
3: Well, I think that the powers that be were probably made aware that they needed to show up and, you know, pick me up. But as far as, you know, where I'm from, you know, it's always been a question in my mind and could yeah, be, you know. But You,
1: you really feel that way to, to us. I mean, I know, PK, probably you feel the same way, but there's something so different about you, so special about you. And, yeah, it's true, everybody's special, but there is something otherworldly about you. And so I just wondered if you've ever had thoughts about that or dreams about that. Or when you have seen the Pleiadians? Because I remember you described some that you saw, like, going up the mountain, and they were, I mean, they were so fast. You said you couldn't believe they had already made it to the top of the mountain in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. They have amazing ability, physically.
3: Oh, that was Rich yeah. down in Peru. He, oh, he that was said a Peru. He was a Pleiadian. Okay. I kind of laughed at him because so I thought it was silly. Everybody's <laughs> a Pleiadian. <laughs>
1: But but you're the that's first person that I've met that I think may be. You know, it's there's just something about you. It's you're different. And yet you are very down to earth and you're very very much a human being with a big heart. So I don't know. This seemed like it was a good fit. And maybe there's a part <laughs> of you that well, is, that's like that. That comes from that, I should say.
3: Well it could be.
1: Because be. you also now I have to mention this, and I don't know if we have time to go into this the whole story, but maybe you can abbreviate it because it's the most amazing story I've ever heard in my life. It's the most amazing story from anybody on the show at any time whatsoever that TK and I've ever heard, and that's how you scared your poor wife Kathy half to death <laughs> after you just married her right. that's in right. Peru <laughs> when you fell yeah. through that stone doorway and left your new wife standing there on the other side. Can you tell us about that?
3: Sure. I'll tell you a bit about it. Um, I'd been told about this place by this old fellow. Well, I don't know how old he was, but he looked old. Anyway, he was Aymara shaman. Aymara live around Lake Titicaca. A very different breed of people, really. And you know, not like the mountain shaman or the jungle shaman. These these folks are, they're just different, you know, as uh, I guess the area would, you know, dictate. Anyway, he told me about this after I became friends with him. And remember I mentioned something about Fantastic Journey? Well,
0: mm-hmm.
3: when I met him, it's described in Fantastic Journey because he's responsible for me meeting Kathy. So... Anyway, he told me about this place, and so I went uh, to southern Peru, off the shores of Lake Titicaca, went to this place, nobody knew about it, I mean, well, not nobody knew, but I mean, the locals knew about it, but you didn't hear anything about it anywhere, you know, as like now, you know, people, hell, there have been film crews out there, but at the time it was in the middle of nowhere on a lonely road and you walk and walk and you get to this place and it's very very unique and unusual so he told me you know after knowing him for a while he told me that this was a portal and that he'd seen the ancients going in and out of this portal he'd watched them as a child and he listened to what they were saying to cause it to open up. And what they were saying was singing a song. And he sang the song for me. And I asked him, did you ever try it? He says, no, he was really afraid to try it because, well, what if they decided that they didn't like it, that he was doing this? Everybody was very afraid of this place. So there were... And in, in Fantastic Journey, it, it talks about all the crazy stuff that happened leading up to me meeting Kathy. And in, in the midst of all of this, information out, about the portal was also provided to me. So after we were married, we went to Peru. And I told her, I'm going to try to activate this portal because Pedro told me to use this, these sounds, this, this singing song thing. And that it would cause it to open up. He told me how to do it and so forth, based upon how he saw the ancient ones doing it when they would come and go. <clears throat> so, I figured the best time to do it would be November 11th at 11-11. Because 11. <laughs> everybody's like, 11-11, 11, 11 11. So, uh, <laughs> sure, why the hell not? So, went there. It's as cold as a Dickens. Wind slightly moving through, and you're 13,000 feet, and I'll tell you what, that's cold. No people, no lights, nothing, except this group that I brought with me on this tour to Peru, the folks who decided to go out that night, because it was so bitterly cold. There was Kathy, there was me. And I had on this big London fog downfilled jacket. It was like a went below my waist. It was a big old thing. It kept me nice and warm. So I went over to this rock and I kneeled down in front of it, like I was told, put my head against the stone as told. And I started making these sounds. and nothing happened. And I kept going and going, and did I remember it right? Let's try it this way. And So I just kept going until finally something shifted, and it wasn't like it took, you know, an hour. It was more like, you know, within 15 to 25 minutes. Something happened, and it sucked all the air right out of the atmosphere around me, and I felt like I was about to pass out, but I felt like I had fallen forward and I was just falling and falling like you're, you're in a dream and you're falling. But you wake up from that. I didn't wake up from this. I just kept tumbling and finally I had some stability. I opened my eyes and it looks like I'm moving through the cosmos. Like in one of those Carl Sagan shows where you're just moving through and stars are passing by and you're seeing you know, all this stuff. So, after a while, and I don't know how long that while is, but I ended ended up in a place, and it was just a big white area. I wouldn't say it's a room, I'd say it's an arena. It was quite large. And a conversation eventually occurred, because I was hollering out, anybody here, where am I? And the conversation occurred between me and some other person. I I never saw anybody. It was just like it was over an intercom, like at school when they talked to you over the intercom.
0: Yeah. It was
3: that kind of sound. And so we're having this conversation, and after I don't know how long again, but it seemed like quite a long time, I suddenly realized I'm really in this place. Well, where the hell am I? And I've got to get back. Kathy's waiting for me.
0: <laughs>
3: and so I told the guy about this, and I said, um, I don't even know how long I've been gone. And he says, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Time here and where you're from are different. You, you, don't worry. It'll be all right. And So he gave me instructions, and I ended up moving through space again. And the next thing you know, I'm in this antechamber, looking out through this doorway, seeing Kathy out there, and a couple other people, and Lake Titicaca and the stars, but I can't get through. It's an invisible barrier. So that freaked me out big time. So I figured, okay, I've got to do this all over again. So I got on my knees. I put my head against what should have been the stone and it felt solid and I started making these tones again over and over and over until finally I fell through. Well, when I fell through, I was relieved and um, Kathy was you know, kind of silently crying and a couple other people there were just worried to hell. And I said, let's get the hell out of here. Tell me what happened. I'll tell you as soon as I get it digested. When you get back to the room, I'll tell you. It was like a 45-minute ride to get back to um, the hotel. And I was just sitting there thinking about what had just happened. It was the craziest thing on earth. And so I asked Kathy, well, did you, I, I left. Did you see what happened to me? And she says, yeah, you were there. And you started glowing and shimmering like on Star Trek. And you just faded away, you were gone, and i was I was real scared by it and real surprised and then you didn't come back and i I didn't know what had happened to you. I said, "Well how long was I gone?" She says, "Oh, well, just you know a couple of minutes." I said, "No, I was gone a long time, yeah, she said, well I was sure way back." So, you know, it's a fanciful story and an intriguing one. When I was in Laughlin, Nevada, um, a year ago last March, I told this story because people wanted to hear it just like you did.
0: Right.
3: And in the audience, there is this woman. Her name is Barbara Lamb. She's a famous uh, hypnotherapist investigating UFOs and abduction cases. Barbara came up, and I didn't know Barbara. I'd heard of her, but I didn't know her. And if I did know her, I'd forgotten what she looked like. But she came up to the microphone, because people walked up and they had questions. She came up to the microphone, and to everyone's surprise, she said, I just want you to know that I believe your story. Well, I still didn't know who she was. And I said, well, thank you. And she told me her name. That She was a hypnotherapist. She says, there's a woman who was with you that night who saw this, and I've had her in therapy now for several years because of this. And she tells oh us the exact same story related. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it freaked her out when you and did
1: I the And I was
3: just floored.
1: Mm.
3: Oh, yeah, apparently it freaked her out badly because she's been in therapy because of or had been in therapy for a while because of it.
1: Because of it, well, and I know that people time. need to know in the so audience too, Jerry, who may not be familiar with the location you describe. Is this is a a carved doorway? It's also called, isn't it called the Devil's Doorway?
3: It is. Um, the proper not name it of is. it is Ottawa. The locals call it the Devil's Doorway because children and adults both have disappeared there, and no one's ever found mm-hmm. them again.
1: Right, they disappear and they don't come back, and and it is solid stone, and there is no way that there's a way to open a handle to a door. It just doesn't exist. It's just a solid stone piece, and it's thick. So the fact that you pass through it using this, these tones that were given to you by the shaman is is just an incredible experience, and in the and that you had the ability. To keep your senses and not and not freak out because you had you had something happen that was totally unexpected, I'm sure. And then yeah,
3: they, I, I will, it
1: Yeah, it's just so so strange. And then you meet up with this disembodied voice, and they then told you who they who well this this voice told you who it was, and it was our creator. Yeah, they, they
3: told. Me. Yeah, and and how it was constructed, why it was made, that there were others. You could navigate from one to the other if you knew how and so on. It doesn't just move through space. It also moves through time. And, I mean, the whole thing was just crazy as can be. It really is crazy as can be. And I'm really thankful that there were other people there and finally somebody besides Kathy stepped up and said, yeah, this really happened, because, you know, it's one thing for me to talk about, it'd be crazy as hell to listen to. Kathy, she's very realistic. If she says it's real and true, then, of course, you should believe her, but you don't really have a reason to, because you don't know her. But now a third person stepped up and said, you know, that she's been working with this woman, had her in therapy for a number of years because of what she saw. And that actually puts a little bit more validation to it, I think.
1: It certainly did. Now, I mean, this happened a, a, a bit of time ago, right? A few years ago or more?
3: I think it was like 1998.
1: Yeah, a while ago. So it, would you ever go back and try it again?
3: I did go back. I went back with a team of um, several guys who said they were willing, no matter what happened. They had to sign a release. If they disappeared, I'm not being held liable.
0: And I told them <laughs> what I did. Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, of course, it's the middle of the night, so you can't really videotape anything. Um, but we did video as best we could. And that's also in the members area. It's called um, the Stargate of Armamurro. And it's, it's, like I said, it's in the members area. I think you have to be, I don't know, maybe a $10 member to get access to all the old expeditions, TV, archives, because that's what it was, is one of those old archives. But you can see, I mean, in the video, very clearly, one of the real telling things about it is in the video, I start making a couple of references to the tones, and... I thought the camera was malfunctioned, was really screwed up, and I had a lot of videotaping to do this particular journey to Peru. So I took a look at the footage. The color shifted very, very weirdly. It's, it's, it's like you shift the hue where it goes from like yellow to blue or something like that. The hue, there's a wave that shifts through there. And you can see it, it caught it on camera. The, um,
1: and did anybody go through it was, like you did?
3: They didn't quite make it through. They were like popped in and popped back out again.
1: Okay. So it was it quite disordered.
3: Road. No, and why I did, I have no idea. Of course, my intention was to go to the Creator, and of course, I'm thinking God. And in this particular case, it was actually these people who created it. <laughs>
0: so
1: <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really.
3: Prepared. Yeah.
1: And you were explaining in last time you're on the show that these uh, these creators were trying to figure out where they sat in the universe and ended up creating our universe kind of as a mistake, it wasn't really on purpose. Yeah, was that
3: was that's true. You know, because what the way they were describing it, you know, in a nutshell is that they had discovered it's the the cosmos is like the layers on an onion, multiple dimensions. And when they discovered this, then they tried to recreate it in their laboratory facility, which must have been quite large, in order to study it and understand more about themselves. In the process of doing that, they created this enormous thing that was undulating black mass just sort of floating in the air which is where I ended up going to to get back to where I'd come from, but it had taken on a life of its own, and they couldn't shut it off. And it's, it did stop growing, apparently, but it was just, you know, it was, it was just there. And they were trying to understand their own, you know, their own cells, their own nature in the universe,
1: you know, their position. I guess you should say. Right, right. That is just such an amazing experience, and I have no doubt, Jerry, this really did happen. Um, one other question about the tones that you were given and and the way to do the sing-songy stuff. Do you think that that would open other portals?
3: Yeah, I think so. I've heard reports from other explorers that they ran across instances where making certain tones would open up like a passageway in the Great Pyramid. Someone else said it opened something else. I forgot where that was. But apparently, these tones, they release an energy that causes a reaction. You know, a lot of these ancient sites are built on ley lines. And, you know, ley lines being these energetic lines throughout the earth. So my understanding is that when you when you interfere with the flow of energy, you release uh, an unknown amount of energy by interfering with it. And if it's done in such a way, then it would open up a bidirectional wormhole or cause stones to float in the air or move. And we've been investigating this for a very long time. Never have come up with any come up with any absolute concrete answers, but it's a fascinating subject.
1: It really is, and I know that we've had uh, Patrice Chaplin on the air talking about portal in Girona, Spain, and how she's brought people to it and then they travel into it. But it's nothing like what you described. It it was more of an more of an astral trip. It wasn't physical. I mean, what you've done. Is totally remarkable. I mean, passing through solid stone and then coming back through solid stone—that's kind of unheard of. And as you mentioned, some of the people in the village near there were afraid of it because they knew people went in and never came out.
3: Yeah, yeah. They actually, in a documentary that we made, uh, I interviewed some of those folks, and they were like, "No, I'm not going over there." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it must be the Pleiadian part of you that that just kept you safe and allowed you to go further. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I don't know either. It's just uh, the need to know. know, Knowledge is what unlocks everything. And the more knowledge you have, the more you know you need. But Mm -hmm. it gives you the ability to ask the next question correctly or incorrectly, which you have to find out by asking. But then you gain more knowledge. It's kind of a, a circle that way.
1: Have you ever been in touch with the creators just in meditation? I mean, you've had that connection, so I would imagine you could access it again if you wanted. And have you had any further contact with them? Or it? Or no, I don't know.
3: No, nothing. Not all. At all. It was a very mechanical connection. It wasn't a spiritual or heightened awareness connection. It was like nuts and bolts. But no, I've not. And, I've not heard from them.
1: Did it sound like an automated voice, like a, a mechanical voice? No, it
3: sounded like a person.
1: It did. Oh, sound like a, strange, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah, so just like with
3: talking you. with you. Huh?
1: with a larger Indeed. brain. <laughs> I don't know about Life that. larger. <laughs> so Kathy must have been just so happy to see you when you came back. Gosh.
3: Yeah,
0: so she
1: was. For a moment was. she was married and for a moment she thought she was a widow, huh?
3: Yeah, just that quick. I was really happy to be back too.
1: Hi, Patty. Oh. What an adventure, Jerry. What an exciting life you do lead and it's it's just wonderful. Now you also do your own uh podcasts. You interviewed an astrologer recently, very interesting interview that you had with him and his predictions on the election. Mm-hmm. And you do sometimes you do live on Facebook so people can also visit you there,
3: right? Yeah, I do. Um I'm gonna be doing a a Facebook live yeah, probably tomorrow or the next day and on Tuesdays Mondays, Tuesdays, somewhere in there I do um, I do a a podcast it's a video broadcast actually and uh, the next one coming up I think is chapter 9 out of the book, Healer the Jerry Will Story Mm. I've been reading that book online and offering looks at everything so the book doesn't really tell everything. So I decided I would, like for example, the book doesn't tell you who the famous Hollywood actress was that I worked on, and whenever I get to that, I'll be disclosing exactly all the behind-the-scenes details. There's a lot of material for that one. <laughs> Probably take a oh, hours. that dollars.
1: sounds exciting! Interesting. So that's coming up in the next couple of weeks on your Facebook page.
3: Uh, not Facebook. No, it's going to be in the members area. Those broadcasts okay, so are those for are
1: our supporters. Down? Yeah. Oh, okay, so people, you can uh, the audience knows them. They can sign up there. They can visit you on Facebook. They can also go to your website, jerrywills.com dot com, and sign up for a healing session. Kathy will help you remember <laughs> to be there for yeah. your appointment, which is great. <laughs> That's yeah, And, you
3: know, on jerrywills.com, they can also go, <clears throat> there's a tab you can click for the Jerry Wills show. And oh, good. And using that tab, you can get over to the Patreon page and become a member. Good. You know, a lot of people sign up for $2 and discover there's so much more at the $15 level that they just jump up to that automatically. Some people go even higher. I don't know why, but they do. But, <laughs> well, it's um, good that
1: they do. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's nice. You have lots of different ways that people can listen to you and connect with you and sign up for healings and more. And, Jerry, we're going to have to have you back. This has been so delightful talking with you tonight. You've given us another great evening. So please give our love to Kathy and lots of love to you. Please Uh, Stay in touch. And everybody will be back next week with another exciting show. Next week we've got Nick Redfern coming on. To give us the updates on Mothman, Dogman, Black-Eyed Children. It's all next week. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Let
2: me, let me know when you're heading this way, Jerry. Okay. Will do. Have a fabulous day tomorrow. Thanks. going to get
0: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.